Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. On this episode, Bishop and Kyle continue talking about caring for the sick, one of the corporal works of mercy. Last week, the focus was on Our Lady of Lourdes and the World Day of the Sick. This week, it's about Jesus' encounters with the sick and our invitation to do the same. Plus, two saints who are well-known for their work with lepers in 19th century Hawaii. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman, once again here with our good bishop to continue our conversation about the corporal works of mercy. Thank you for being here, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. We took a little break to talk about what we're going to talk about today, I guess, at a little tangent with Our Lady of Lords and the World Day of the Sick. But today we're talking about visiting the sick. And this kind of goes along. We talked about feeding the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to shelter the homeless and visit the imprisoned. So clothe the naked, clothe the naked. We did. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of these have some overlap, but how do you see visiting the sick as being a unique way to care for people? Well, when I think of this corporal work of mercy, think about our Lord's public ministry that we read in the gospels and so many encounters with the sick and the suffering. Obviously, they had a special place in Jesus's heart. Think about it, the paralytic, the man born blind, the leper, the possessed, the guy with the epilepsy, the woman suffering from the hemorrhage. I mean, there's Mm. just so many accounts in the gospels of people suffering from illnesses, and Jesus made himself close to each of them, and he cured them with his presence and his healing power. So I think this teaches us that if the sick were so important in Jesus's ministry, so they should be that important in the ministry of the church. And I think this work of mercy, our Lord himself is inviting us to imitate his example, because sickness can be a really difficult challenge in a person's life. It can be a lonely time, That's why visiting the sick is important, how often a sick person can feel all alone and how a person who visits can just showing a little bit of companionship, and that can really lift the spirits of someone, just spending time with them. And I think about all the people in our diocese I know who are dedicated to visiting the sick in our hospitals, in our nursing homes, or those who are living at home, and so many people volunteering to visit them, to bring Holy Communion to them, or to bring a meal to them, but basically being close to those who who suffer. And I think that's what this corporal work of mercy is all about. And I think it's one that we can all practice, or almost all of us can practice in some way. And we're all called to imitate the example of the Good Samaritan. There's also those who are ordained. Anointing of the sick is a Mm -hmm. a sacrament of the church. I really think this is something we should all be aware of, how how important it is that a person who's sick or in grave illness receives the aid of this sacrament. So if anyone has a very sick relative or friend or acquaintance who's Catholic, it's important to let the priest know 
so that they can be visited and they can be anointed because we also have to be concerned for the spiritual care of those who are ill. So obviously you mentioned a lot of things that are are kind of more volunteer aspects. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of professions that are doing this full-time professionally that people are called to in the medical profession to care for the sick. This kind of makes me think of different people having different gifts and callings. Are we all called to, to do all of the corporal works of mercy or might one be called more to one than the other? Like, one person feels more called to ministering to the sick and one feels more called to ministering those in prison. And that's fine that you would have a specialty or should we be looking to see like, how can I really be doing all of these? I think often it should be the quality of what we're doing, not always the quantity. So Hmm. there may be, for example, someone who is spending, they have a special gift for bringing cheer to those who are sick. So they may not be doing many other works of mercy but they do a lot of that work of mercy. And that's fine. That's Mm -hmm. fine. But if we come across anyone who's in need of our mercy in some way, we should reach out to them. And that could be with any one of the works of mercy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't pass someone who is hungry and just say, well, I'm going to ignore them because I'm going to go and visit the sick. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we, we are called in some way when we encounter someone who is poor and in need, to reach out to them with the love of Christ. And then when I think about those that are sick and and some of their needs, I can kind of think of two extremes that one might fall into. One would be that they have maybe lost hope. They're really struggling with their faith and the sickness is kind of really pushing them into a dark place. Others where they're kind of forced with suffering and their mortality might turn more to their faith and it becomes an opportunity for them to grow in their faith. How do you see responding to these different kind of uh, opportunities or challenges? Yeah. Well, it's obviously much easier if a person who in the face of sickness or carrying the cross has a spiritual life Mm -hmm. where they already are close to the Lord. And there are people who I've met who, who are able to accept that cross and the pain of suffering and, unite it with that of Christ, and there's a peace about them. But it's still good for us to visit them and to be with them because that encourages them. But then those who don't have that, that's where it gets more challenging, where someone might be rebelling a bit against God, but they also need our presence and our example and our prayers. So I think even those who are more difficult— just because they're more difficult doesn't mean we should just be indifferent to them or ignore them. No. And some of this is a process for some people too. Mm -hmm. But just by our witness of love and our witness of care, that shows them God's love for them. So I think it's it's important. But, But yeah, my own experience visiting the sick and visiting the dying, I definitely see people who are at peace and are able to accept their situation. And I see others who are filled with a lot of anguish Mm. and fear. And with those who in anguish and fear, just to be with them is important. But as a priest and as a bishop, I would try to pray for them. I mean, you can do that as a lay person too. But I mean, in a sense, trying to be of some assistance in trying to help them. Maybe read a, a scripture passage that especially is comforting. One of the Psalms, for example. 
that can, can help a person. I often hear the term of deathbed confessions, where somebody has this spiritual conversion at the end of their life. Obviously, I'm not asking you to share anybody's confession, but is that something that you've experienced as a priest or a bishop visiting those that are sick, that you see people having these kind of either end-of-life conversions or just that enduring that suffering and kind of coming to a realization that there is a God and that they do come to believe through that? I have. I mean, I've seen some conversions, not a lot, a few, um, where people who are far had been far from the Lord and far from the church, not practicing, in that process of approaching the Lord at death, having a certain amount of repentance, you know, regret, but then experience the Lord's mercy, especially through the sacrament of reconciliation, the sacrament of penance. That's one of the most beautiful things to experience when God's grace is at work at that time and they have opened themselves to that grace. So yes, I have seen that. I do think visiting with those who are already close to the Lord, who have been living a faithful life, the peace in which they approach death, feeling the closeness of our, our Lord and Our Lady, that's also very beautiful to watch. Not that those people are not tempted. They can be tempted too. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be careful because one has to always be on guard because the devil wants to fill us with discouragement and despair. So even the saints, like St. Therese, even near the end of her life, had some temptations that she had to battle. Temptations that maybe, you know, like, oh, God doesn't love me kind of thing. So therefore, we do need also never to just say, okay, I'm never going to have any problems approaching sickness or death. Yeah, I mean, temptations can always be there or can always come. Sure. All right, well, if you have questions for Bishop, you can text the Holy Cross College text line, which is 260-436-9598, and we'll continue to talk about the Corporal Work of Mercy visiting the sick and hospital chaplains and a saint that fits the mission. Coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has a special mission to serve the Catholic Church in America. In 2020 alone, we've served over 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. We are a member-owned, not-for-profit cooperative, working hard to create a national Catholic financial alternative to the for-profit banks. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop. We've been talking about the corporal work of mercy, visiting the sick, and we've been doing a whole series on the corporal works of mercy, so definitely check out the past episodes. But when we talk about visiting the sick, you mentioned chaplains, and you assign certain priests to be chaplains at the local hospitals. Is that correct? Well, it depends. I mean, a lot of local hospitals, it's just the local parish. So the priests okay. at the local parish are entrusted. But if you have a really big hospital, a really big medical center, they might have a full-time priest chaplain. And, for example, at Memorial Hospital in South Bend, St. Joseph Regional Medical Center in Mishawaka, Parkview in Fort Wayne, 
They all have kind of full-time priest chaplains. St. Elizabeth Van Seton covers Lutheran Hospital in Fort Wayne. But we want to make sure that all of our hospitals have priests who come and visit and where there is pastoral care of the sick, pastoral ministry to the sick. So chaplains are really important. We have lay people also and extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion who do provide spiritual and pastoral care as well. Obviously, they and we have deacons who do so. And they can bring Holy Communion, but obviously they cannot hear confessions or anoint right. the sick. They do wonderful pastoral care of the sick. So if somebody, a layperson, felt called to that kind of ministry or wanted to learn more about it, who would they contact? Well, I'd say the parish. You know, They okay. could say, listen, I want to volunteer. Now, if someone wanted to volunteer at a local nursing home or a hospital, you know, I could talk to who's ever involved in the pastoral care department at those places. I'm sure, for example, we have St. Anne's home in Fort Wayne. It's always great to have volunteers and mm-hmm. just contact the pastoral care department, say, I'd like to volunteer. It might be to help get people around, could be help bringing meals, but also just visiting and being with the people, visiting an elderly person or helping with some of the social activities, for example, that they have at a nursing home. Some places they might you know, have sing-along or uh, some kind of activity or bingo, whatever it might be, in addition to the spiritual activities. You know, another thing that I think we can think about in our parishes is the homebound people, not Mm -hmm. just visiting the homebound, but also giving relief to some of the caregivers. This I became more sensitive to when I've seen some caregivers who really getting worn out taking care of a chronically ill family member. And I think it's good if we can do something to help them where maybe just periodically getting them some time off, maybe just volunteering to take over those caretaking responsibilities for an afternoon or an evening so that a person can get a little bit of a break. I think Mm -hmm. that's something we can perhaps think about more. And even, I know, like, when I was a youth minister, we took our youth group to the local nursing home once a month and we'd play bingo and bake cookies for them and stuff like that. So, or pray the rosary beforehand or something. And I think they just appreciated seeing young people and their energy and they enjoyed pushing around in a wheelchair and stuff. And it was kind of a neat little oh, relationship. Yeah. We got to know each other more and more as the weeks went on, you know, the, the grumpy guy over here and this, this woman that wouldn't <laughs> stop talking over here, you know, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. And then also just like writing cards, you know, like our our school will every once in a while get a list of of people that are homebound or in the nursing home that are part of the parish and write them cards or letters. And I think that can cheer up somebody's day as well. Definitely. Definitely. So there's probably a thousand saints that we could talk about that have ministered to the sick in some way or another. Any in particular that you'd want to highlight? You know, certainly Mother Teresa, but we've talked about Mother Teresa a lot on this show. I I don't remember if we've talked much about St. Damien of Molokai, and I guess maybe as a bishop and as a priest, you know, he stands out for me as a a special model. You know, he lived in the 19th century, but his courage, he was Belgian. His name was Joseph de Wooster. His religious name was Father Damien. He was a member of a religious order called the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary. So he went as a missionary to Hawaii and was ordained there 
and he saw the miserable conditions of the lepers. And the Hawaiian government had deported the lepers to the island of Molokai. And St. Damien volunteered to take charge, really, of the settlement of the lepers. He was just so heroic. This Belgian priest, young priest, got permission from his superiors to serve on the island of Molokai, where all of these lepers had been settled. The Hawaiian government was trying to stop the spread of leprosy, so they isolated these hundreds of lepers. And the people, the lepers, were begging for a priest. A number of priests offered to go, but it was Father Damien who the superior allowed to go. And I think it's important to realize not only how contagious leprosy is, but how awful a disease it was. I mean, it was, as you know, a skin disease that was just repulsive, and people were very afraid. It would eat away at people's skins. Lepers really had a terrible odor, for example. It would lead to the disintegration of of their limbs. I mean, it would disfigure their faces. I mean, some of them would go blind. It was a terribly crippling, grotesque disease. And there was no real cure for it, so it would get worse and worse and people would die. So then, of course, them being isolated on this island from the outside world, many of them died. Imagine being separated from your family, from friends. But Damien went there, kind of just respected the people's dignity. He showed love for them. He helped them in their sorrow, in their suffering. Life there was was really grotesque, but he would touch them. You know, that was unheard of. You know, like, you, you just don't touch a leper. And he was very moved by the leper children, too. So we would help them. He'd bathe them. And, of course, he was a priest. He would celebrate Mass for them. He would give them the sacraments. He made them aware that each of them had dignity. He washed the people's bodies. He, he built houses. He built coffins and dug graves. I mean, he did everything to make life also as comfortable as possible for the people. And he had the lepers, the men and women, also help him in building. And he built a home for the the lepers' children, the orphans. He taught the people to farm and to raise animals, to play instruments, to sing. So he brought a certain joy to the community of lepers as well. And he was always very strong and obstinate with the government authorities, where he would bother them a lot, kind of pushing for help for his people, really. His holiness was pretty evident. His fame kind of started to spread around the world. Of course, what happened, as everyone knows, is he himself contracted leprosy. As I said, he had embraced them, he had touched them, he had dined with them, he cleaned and bandaged their wounds. It was almost inevitable that he was going to catch leprosy, mm -hmm. which he did. You know, some of the Protestant missionaries and some of the kind of more puritanical groups said that this was a curse from God upon the people because there was a lot of immorality evidently among the Hawaiians. Father Damien rejected that, said, you know, this is a suffering that must be eliminated, that this isn't a curse from God, that God loves the lepers. The people of Molokai loved him. 
I mean, there's a lot more details of his life. There was some mental distress, some depression that he experienced after he got leprosy. He was especially felt his own unworthiness. He had some problems with his religious superiors, and I think that hurt him. So he himself had to suffer some other things. Another saint, Mother Marianne Cope, as he was, um, you know, nearing the end of his life, she, who came from New York, she was a Franciscan, had been serving at the leper hospital in Honolulu. Father Damien asked that she would send sisters to care for the girls' orphanage at Molokai. And the Franciscan Sisters of Syracuse did help out, and including St. Mother Marianne Cope, who became St. Marianne Cope. One thing he really wanted to make a last confession, which he was able to do. A priest was able to get there to Molokai to hear his last confession, and he died in 1889. So when you think about it, sometimes we think of Father Damien as an elderly priest. He really wasn't. I mean, he was, what, 49 years old when he died. So I, I just encourage people to learn more about his life. But talk about visiting the sick. Right. I mean, he gave his life. He more than visited them. He, he lived with them. He became one of them. He would even say, even before he contracted leprosy, he would say, we lepers. Hmm. So total empathy, compassion for or the suffering. Yeah. A great role model for all of us. I think it's good for us to recognize those that are already doing this and how can we maybe lend a hand, those that are involved in the healthcare profession. Maybe part of ministering to the sick is ministering to those that minister to the sick. So, so supporting mm -hmm. them, encouraging them, praying for them, but also how can we help out as well. So thank you so much, Bishop, for another great episode. We'll continue our conversation about the Corporal Works of Mercy in upcoming episodes. Before then, can we get your Episcopal blessing? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome. Take care, Kyle. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.